0: Well, we've already worshipped. Is it time to go home? <laughs> oh my. I've been lifted, I've laughed, I've been fed. I've been promised a pair of pumps. <laughs> Your hospitality. There's uh, Chevalier up there. <laughs> she thinks I need to stand a little taller up here. Good morning, resurrection. Good morning. Our beautiful, beautiful, beautiful anthem. my. So much in that. Uh, do you know where you've been? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know where you've been? Right, oh, I love it. To know where you've been. It's an important thing. I love it in hairspray. I am one of those Broadway gays. So um, just know. <laughs> My mama encouraged it. So every now and then, <laughs> you'll have to hear some. But when Motormouth Maybell locks arms with Tracy Turnblatt. And they sing the song, gives me goosebumps. Just gives me goosebumps. Finding allies along the way, doing together what they need to do. To co-create a new freedom. To bring God's reality together here and now. Is knowing where you've been enough, though, to be co-creators of a new freedom. Co-creators of something You may not have ever experienced something you may not know yet sometimes you know we just don't know how enslaved we are until we get a taste of the real thing i love it when the new preacher on the block back when dr martin luther king jr was put in charge by the wiser older preachers you know Who didn't want to take the risk they were empowering him to take they thought they knew where they were going later they would meet with dr king and they would say you are going too far you are asking for too much the wise ones they thought they knew where they were going but god took them farther so when i hear in this song the surety of I know where I'm going I kinda smile and I think well yes until God gets a hold of you (laughs) your heart your life your world and then takes you farther than you think you're going to God knows we know how many times incrementalism has won over the real thing but then we can get a taste just a taste And here's one I got, Seneca Falls, Selma, Stonewall. Out of the mouth of the President of the United States. Holding together all those unfinished journeys. Justice for women, it's not here, but it's held in with. Justice for people of color, it's not here, held in with. Justice for us queer folk, not wedged apart but together. Seneca Falls, Selma, Stonewall. A taste. Did you get that taste? Well, don't be surprised if God takes us farther than we expect. Can we say good morning again, resurrection? Good morning, resurrection. <laughs> when Walter and I left Chicago just two days ago, it was one degree. The ground was icy and slippery, and we got on one of those metal things that you have to trust is going to stay in the air. (laughs) On days like that in particular. Three hours later, we got off in 65 degree sunny. Man, we're staying with my dad, and he says it's like this all the time here. (laughs) He has a vested interest in how this goes. And um, one of the things about traveling for me is I am a very well-weathered traveler. I have traveled a lot these last nine years across the U.S. So I know how to pack. I know how to get all the right size containers in that little Ziploc bag. I know how to be beltless and shoeless and expose myself <laughs> to, the, to the machine there. I know how to do all those things. I even know how in the economy section, because that's where I typically fly in the back, and uh, how to put the finishing touches on a sermon on the laptop, you just stick your elbows out further and you just move your hands like that, and you can get it done. I also know to keep track of my energy. Sometimes I have a book to try and avoid people next to me. But as the oldest brother uh, whose youngest sister is 20 years younger than me, my heart goes out to young mothers with young kids on those flights. Uh, Christy my youngest sister has had three kids under the age of seven at the same all at the same time and would go on flights because her husband's in the Air Force and so when she ever had to go to family things it was often traveling on her by herself to get there So whenever I see one of those families, my heart goes out to them and I have a generosity. I want to make sure they can get their bag up. If a toy goes this way or that way, I want to grab it and help them get back to the kid. And the early service, I said, I was saying, what I never do, never, never, never do. And someone sitting right down here, one of our biker lesbians said, (laughs) one of our, where is she? Is she here? Um, She said, she said, oh, there you are. (laughs) Oh, hi. She, says, she said, what you never do is, is sit by them. And I said, oh, I will sit by them. But what I never, never, never do is start a game of peekaboo. <laughs> Have you ever been in one of those where you're trapped for the duration? Can't get anywhere, and that, that kid's learning a new thing. They're excited. You disappear, and you come back. They're learning. They're learning something they're supposed to learn. And man, a thousand times after that, you're just ready to not be there anymore but it's something that we have to learn all kids have to learn it's called object permanence in education cycles object permanence it means that when you can't see it it's still there did you know you had to learn that dogs and cats if you throw a ball and it disappears they go after it kittens they know it's still there humans it's gone (laughs) it's it's not what happened then you put it in front of their face again it's back you know unending joy at the same repetition because they're learning they're learning permanence object permanence Um, huge learning for us we have to do it all of us we don't miss it they're not yet at the tricker not the, the hide or seek stage you know hide or seek it requires you understand object permanence. <laughs> because if something disappears, you know you need to go after it. You know they're just not gone. Well, this morning, as a people of God, I want to tell you God is just so much better than me that God can handle one thousand games of peekaboo. God is strapped in with us for the long haul, and God's ready to take us farther than we know we want to go yet. We may not have learned it yet or even trust it fully yet. But God is ready, arms open for us. The Exodus people haven't learned it yet. Where we are in the story today with Moses is they have not learned this yet. Object permanence. Whenever they don't see God or don't see Moses, they don't exist. And they feel abandoned. And they cry out in distress. They haven't learned this lesson with God. Now how would you like to be? Moses, at this point in the life of the Israelite people, how would you like that job? Are you ready for days, weeks, months, maybe even years of (laughs) peekaboo? Moses is is, is hoping. He's getting them set up like that trust fall on the video. We're getting the pieces. We're getting the pieces. And he's just hoping they fall the right way. (laughs) Fall the right way. But they keep diving forward, and he's with them another day, and so is God. Now, Moses himself had some baggage. These people who are trying to learn what it means not to be in chains anymore, you know, have this Moses person there, and he's got some baggage himself. Can we trust him? Can we trust this Moses person who grew up in the palace? You know? I don't see any stripes from whips on his body. Are we sure he really is one of us? Didn't he kill a man and run away? He's back now. I don't know, should we trust this Moses person? It almost reminds me of some people these days still asking for someone's real birth certificate. in the movie with charlton heston and all those folks you know in the basket there was a piece of fabric that they take and they hide because it showed that this was a jewish baby you know and so i'm hearing these people say where's the fabric we want to see it <laughs> is he one of us is he one of us or not so moses has his own baggage of trust to get through with the people because he did live in that palace he did have a different experience than they did Man, oh man, I'll be glad when people stop calling for that birth certificate. I can tell you I'm tired of that. But then Moses starts off on the wrong foot. He makes their work conditions harder. His first attempt, they take straw away, give them less resources, but they're expected to keep their quota the same. Okay. It's going to take some convincing for them to trust God. It's going to take them some convincing to trust Moses. In this is time and place, those chains are what's familiar. Everything else is new. So what's God going to do here? Something dramatic? Something miraculous? Maybe, maybe God is going to tip into the, to the deep well there and do something flamboyant. <laughs> you think? Something flamboyant. You know, let's try ten plagues. <laughs> you know, well, each one of those plagues, we'll use a plague to knock out each one of these sets of Egyptian gods. If you did your reading this week, you would, you would know what those were. But those ten plagues each. I think those ten plagues were as much to build the confidence of these Exodus people as they were to soften Pharaoh's heart. As much. As much to build the confidence so they could leave the slaves, the slaves could leave the chains as it was to soften, harden, the hardened heart of the pharaoh. The slaves needed them to have confidence to take those steps into a new world. Were the plagues, was that all there was? Well, that's spectacular, but, you know, after that, a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of clouds by day. And uh, if you've seen the Hollywood movie, walking through the water, piled up on both sides that's pretty flamboyant to me but even the super spectacular still isn't enough to overcome generations of slavery it's not enough for this people to live into a new world into a new way they need to do it one day at a time they need to do it one experience at a time over and over again have you noticed what game they're playing with God? its peekaboo. You know, got to see you. Every new hardship, oh no, God has abandoned us. The chains are better. When we were in chains, we got three meals a day. I remember times when people told me when I was in the closet, I didn't have to worry about that promotion. The awful familiar is better than the unknown. Each day is a new exercise in trust. Okay, people, here's some bread from heaven. Get one day's worth, that's it. Get one day, go out, gather it. Repetition, that's how we learn? One day, one day at a time, gather that bread. And then you know God really goes for the big learning two days worth right i think we know who we're working with now let's go from one day to two days worth and then you know what you're gonna rest that's a big jump from one day to two day for people who haven't known anything but chains uh, story from my family when i was 14 years old um, My family is a blended family. Uh, My mom said when we got married, so my mom and my sister Terry and I got married to my dad and my sister Elizabeth. Uh, We'd been together for two years. And uh, my mom was one of those people, if you have it, share it kind of folk. And so two years together, our family of five, we included foster children. And we had our first set of foster kids. Um, We had multiple sets over the next seven years, Uh, but the first two sets were special to us. They stayed with us two years. Sisters, Belinda and Brandy, came to us. And over those seven years, it was always wonderful. There was someone you got to teach to tie their shoes. There was someone that needed to learn how to read. And with all of us around, we could help them learn how to read. And and occasionally, there was someone that you needed to use that small little comb and get lice out of their hair. You know, that's a a part of living together. You know, so in that place, in that time, those first two little girls, uh, seven and six, came to us. And um, we were delighted to have them. And we started noticing a couple of weeks later, we started finding food tucked away you know, in the back of the closet, under the bed, you know, maybe even in the pillow. Uh, And we're not talking like bread and buns, we're talking like moldy green beans (laughs) that were in mushroom soup first and are now hidden, or steak that turned all sorts of colors in all sorts of different places. They couldn't trust that that next meal was gonna be there for them. At six and seven, whatever life had recently been for them, They weren't sure that that meal was going to come. And I don't know when it happened. They were with us for two years, but when they left, there was no more food lying around. But it took them time. It didn't happen in a week, and it didn't happen in a month. But sometime before two years, they learned that there was going to be enough. They learned that there was going to be enough. I wonder how many weeks it took Moses and God and these people. How many days of repetition before they got the message that there was going to be enough. They aren't even a people yet. They're a loose association of tribes. They've been living under slavery, and you know what happens when you put a loose association of people together and the oppressor is gone? Oh, my. Sometimes they turn on each other. but God will have them be a people. God's gonna take them farther than they expect to go. And ultimately they will trust that there's enough. The reason that trust fall is so popular in youth groups is that even when you're a teenager you still don't have it yet. And if you've ever tried to do it with adults, they're the worst. (laughs) Adults are the worst. You want me to do what? Most of them don't fall forward. this is a lesson we continue learning at deeper levels our whole life. And for the Israel, Israel people, the Israelis, it's going to take 40 years. Sometimes we want to go back. Even when we've seen signs. Plagues and pillars. Bread from heaven, water from a rock. And we still want to go back to what's familiar to us. Because this new way that God's calling us into just feels too hard. But God is with us there. Again, one day at a time, as long as it takes, strapped in for the long haul. Once upon a time in my singleness, I had a roommate named Debbie. We decided to get an apartment together, uh, share expenses, and that our apartment was going to be alcohol-free. Uh, she was new in sobriety, and we wanted to do the best for her to have success in that We knew there might be some relapses and I talked to Debbie about it ahead of time and my grandmother had been sober Like 20 years and I remember crawling around in AA meetings when the smoke went from the ceiling down almost to my to my waist And so I thought well, how hard can this be? <laughs> <laughs> It was a wonderful time, and we love each other and our family to this day. I didn't realize at first that Debbie had decided that the pool just outside our door was not an alcohol-free zone. (laughs) Over time, we got that figured out. And the lessons of trust kept coming. The familiar would call her back, and she would keep learning new things of what it meant to be. And then the real thing happened. The real thing happened is that she started dating, and she met someone she cared about. Someone that mattered to her. Some, a woman, that she could love. And she was real close to a relapse. And, and the words are with me so clearly this day, she, she explained to me what it was like to be 35 years old, having started being sexual when you're in your teens and being good at sex. She wasn't bragging, but being good at sex. And this was the first time it was gonna be sober. Uh, The first time she was going to be naked. God knows if the light's on. And the alcohol was tugging her back to chains. She chose to be vulnerable and has been sober now almost 20 years herself. But in that moment, she was called to trust in some new way. The scary hope that God wants for all of us. How many times have you gone to gather on a Sabbath when God has told you to rest? Told you you were going to have enough and you went out to gather anyway. Where do you seek the familiar instead of something new? Instead of co-creating a new freedom? Where is God calling you into a deeper trust? After 15 years with Walter, I can tell you with confidence that I haven't learned all my lessons of trust yet. There was a three-month lesson, six-month lessons, one-year lessons. Well, I'm in 15 years, and I can't wait to see what the 20-year lessons are like. (laughs) But I know God's calling me farther than I know I'm going yet. We can be like these Exodus people. We can play peekaboo as long as we need to. God is strapped in for the long haul and will be with you each time you look back. Each time you stop hiding, each time you turn towards God, God will be there. And God is strapped in for the long haul with a still, small voice or with a flamboyant gesture. Something as flamboyant as Jesus stretched on a cross. Saying, I'm here and I'm waiting for you thanks be to god and so people have